all been raised on television to believe that one day we'd all be millionaires and movie gods and rock stars. But we won't. We're slowly learning that fact. And we're very, very pissed off. Well, happy birthday to me! That's right, uh, it's the birthday edition of the podcast. Uh, what is it? I'm 53 now! Boy, does that sound really old. Uh, okay, and so uh, I have taken the whole week off. Uh, I work for a place now that gives uh, a lot of vacation day. Um, they, they give you four weeks a year, and in addition to that, they give you a recharge week. Uh, sometime in the summer. Uh, so yes, so um, it's, uh, this is, I've, I'm taking one of the weeks. I've always wanted to do this and now I'm doing it. From Mexico and leave behind my precious little things. So today's uh, music is from Sam Hart. And uh, I, you know, you'd think, oh, that's uh, gotta be a stage name. Nope. I know it's not because I follow him also on LinkedIn. And you're saying, well, wait a minute, what's a what musical performer doing on LinkedIn? Well, it's because, uh, you know, uh, the music business is very cruel. And even though someone as super talented as uh, Sam Hart, I don't think he ever uh, was able to parlay that into a full music career. So he does. I don't know, brand marketing or something like that. But uh, he's uh, he's a super talent. I got to see him play live once, and uh, he's, uh, oh, just here, take a listen. When the light turns green, I'll find a way to disappear. Blend in with the crowd and fade away. Okay, so uh, for the first part of this week, vacation uh i went down to los angeles california america and i hung out with a longtime friend and guest of the podcast or the pilot uh, episode of this the tv pilot that we made uh alexis perplexus uh and it's going to be a little strange talking about this as he is 50 percent of the listening population of this podcast uh, but, uh, there actually, there is not a whole lot to say about it. Um, we had a great time. We saw a couple of shows at Largo. We saw Patton Oswalt. We saw Mark Marin. Uh, they were both great. Uh, more about them in a minute. Um, and we hiked to the Hollywood sign. Uh, yeah, so for those of you who, uh, have ever wondered, uh, and wanted to visit the Hollywood sign, you can't. Um, and especially there is really no easy way to do it. Uh, they have blocked off all the, uh, uh, city streets that get there. And, you know, the people who live on those city streets are not interested in the tourists who are, you know, coming in and, um, you know, snooping around, wanting to get to the sign. Uh, so, uh, there is though a very, there's, uh, there's lots and lots of published, trailheads, uh, maintain trailheads that are like, okay, just go from here to here to here and uh, and uh, you'll wind up kind of close to the sign. Oh, you can stop me anytime. 
So, so speaking of stand-up comics, um, one thing, you know, I am obsessed with, as someone who tried and failed to do stand-up comedy, I am obsessed with what it means to get better at stand-up, right? We all know, hey, you tell the jokes, people laugh, that's the measure. But what actually changes in the way you write stand-up comedy? What changes in your joke structure? What, you know, uh, how do you write a, you know, quote-unquote funnier joke? Like, how, I don't understand how, what the transformation process is. Now, of course, I gave up after six months, maybe. Maybe not. Maybe it was even less. Maybe it was three months. And I was only going up once a week at the Holy City Zoo. I mean, you talk about the people who have made it as stand-up comics. They were in New York doing open mic nights um, four, five times a week, uh, you know, getting up, you know, failing, writing new jokes, failing, you know, and they were doing it for years. They say that the average is uh, five to six years of, uh, of doing stand-up open mic nights before you get better. And of course, you know, I didn't know that. So I did it for a few months and I, and I ran through all the jokes in my notebook and I was like, okay, nobody laughed at any of these. So I'm gonna give up. But I am still fascinated by the, let's call it art of stand-up comedy. And one thing I've noticed lately is the one of, so I, when I was at Max FunCon, I asked Blaine Kapach about this. And I said, what's different about, you know, being the professional versus the amateur? And he said it was just all about stage presence. Now, no. I mean, it has to be about joke writing, right? It can't just be about stage presence. There's no way those dumb jokes that I was telling people, I could get up with better stage presence. In fact, I think I had stage presence. I think that's all I had was stage presence. Uh, but um, he did have one, there's one part of that though is very interesting. Um, you watch professional stand-ups and they are very, very deliberate with their movements with everything, with their hands, with their feet, but mostly with their feet and how they walk and where they walk. If you watch a, a more junior stand-up, they will kind of rock back and forth on their, on their heels. They'll kind of sway a little bit. Whereas a seasoned comic like Mark Maron, Mark Maron, I was very attuned to what he was doing and he had a stool on stage and he sat on the stool and then he would lean back in the stool, and then he'd lean forward in the stool. He'd stand up, turn to the left, walk about five steps, stop, turn and look at the audience, and then sit back down at the stool. And he would do that on a loop. And I'm sure nobody noticed except me, but, it, but when you do that, right? Like when you get up on stage and you plant your feet, it gives, you a sense or it it broadcasts a sense of confidence like i know what i am doing i am selling this joke whereas if you're kind of rocking and swaying and leaning it's sort of like i don't know what i'm doing and uh, maybe this joke will work or not i'm, I'm trying to i'm trying to sway around aud audibly so you can hear the difference even though there you can't and never mind anyway so it, next time you watch stand-up comedy 
take a look at that. Take a look at where, how they move, where they move, how often they move, and you'll notice that it's wildly different than um, somebody who is less experienced. So this is the song that I learned about Sam Hart with. So this is called Mario Kart Love Song. And this song actually got to be big enough on YouTube that Jimmy Fallon recreated it on his show with, I think, Selena Gomez? Maybe not. Maybe it was Ariana Grande. Ariana, Ariana Grande. Um, but it's weird when this happens, right? Because I I saw the clip that Jimmy Fallon did. I, he, I, I don't remember him crediting Sam Hart. I mean, it is this song. He even, you know, he dresses, uh, uh, um, uh, Jimmy Fallon dressed up like Mario. Um, what I love about this song is it's clearly somebody who loves this game because he's got all these like really awesome references in there about, um, let me go ahead, the blue shell is coming, let me get it instead, because the blue shell only hits the first place, the person who is in first place, and so he's saying, I'll I'll take the bullet for you. It's just a beautiful song. Here, I listen to some more of it. I'll pause this game So our love will never end Oh, the finish line Is just around the bend I'll pause this game so our love will never end. Let's go again. What happened if this was like my longest podcast episode ever? And it was just because I took these just enormous ga gaps in talking uh, and silences uh, just so you could listen to the music. Uh, oh, so getting on this idea of celebrities recreating a thing. So I, the where it really comes into focus for me is um, Anna Kendrick for the movie Pitch Perfect. Um, I, I think this was something she brought to them. There is a video um, of uh, the, um, I got a ticket for a one-way track. Yeah, you're gonna miss me when I'm gone. You're gonna miss me when I'm gone, when I'm gone. And she does this um, rhythm section with a plastic solo cup. Now, this was done on the internet way before this. And the whole reason Anna Kendrick knows how to do this is because she's got insomnia and a little bit of OCD. And she saw somebody do this on the internet and she on YouTube. And she was like, well, I need to learn how to do this. This looks like fun. And she did it. And then they, and then I guess they were talking about, you know, what, what, what she was going to do in the movie. And she's like, well, I can do this. And then she just reproduced the, as it's now known as the cup song uh, for them. And they were like, that's awesome. Do it in the movie. And I don't know, I don't know how that goes, right? Because there's nothing copyrighted about it. I don't think, I mean, but it's also kind of gross that you just lift this thing off of the internet and just do it in a movie and and nobody really knows I, I don't know like like I mean did they get paid I, I don't know but even if they get paid it also seems a little gross that you're just just like you're not adding anything you're not changing it you're not mixing it up you're just doing what they did now 
this all comes about because I was um, watching Instagram and somebody posted this video of um, Emma Stone and Maya Rudolph doing the exact same rhythm that uh, uh, Kendrick was doing on the uh, solo cup, but now it's on margarine tubs, empty margarine tubs. And I don't know why they chose that. Well, yes, I do. We'll get to that. I, but I don't know why why that's better. I mean, it sounds the same. Like, who cares? And the song that they were doing is by an artist named Robin. Uh, and uh, the song is Call Your Girlfriend. And uh, they sing it acoustic or acapella, you know, with the with the margarine tubs. And then I'm looking in the comments on Instagram, and somebody's like, "Oh, here's the original version, and it's three sisters doing this in their kitchen with empty margarine tubs." Now. This whole thing is just a snake eating its own butthole at this point because like guys okay so first of all uh, when when the when the cup song came about everybody was like oh that's so cool and i'm like yeah but it's just a it's just a, a tempo a rhythm the the cup part of it it's just you know like a metronome you could literally take any song and put it in there. You don't have to use that song. And the fact that Anna Kendrick and the Pitch Perfect team used that song with the cup part, I just, it's, it's unnecessary. You could just use any song. It doesn't matter. But no, we can't because we're moral, not morally bankrupt. We're just out of ideas. So then, so then these three women who are now doing the Robin song, they're using that exact same rhythm. Thus, it's sort of making my point of like, it's just a tempo. But then Maya Rudolph and Emma Stone, we can't, we can't even use red solo cups. We have to use margarine tubs. We have to do the same song. We have to use the same rhythm. No, you don't. No, you don't. Because honestly, nobody knows the original reference. I had, I, if it wasn't for the people in the comments, I never would have known about the other thing. So it's not like you're even doing an homage to the other thing. Now, I highly recommend, I'm too lazy to go grab the, um, the acoustic versions. Um, the, the original version is not good. Um, it's, it's like, it's some Euro trash, so disco beats you know the melody is nice and the and robin with a y is a is a lovely singer but uh oh god and what's really funny is is i i heard about this you know i clicked on the link and it's like oh yeah this is a cover of robin's song and i'm like who's this robin what's this song i've never heard of this and i do a quick search on it and the first result that comes up is Robin on Saturday Night Live. Now, as an avid Saturday Night Live watcher, of course I saw this, and of course, and it's Katy Perry as host introducing Robin, and I'm like, well, I know I saw that one because there's this awesome bit with like her and Maya, Maya Rudolph and Amy Poehler, and you know, she's this kid who's come back from summer vacations. She's got huge tits. It's a great bit. So I know I saw the show, and yet my mind has completely erased that performance. And I always watch just a little bit of the musical performance to see if I like 
like it. Maybe I bailed out before I gave this one a chance. I don't know. It stuck. Oh, so getting back to the L.A. trip. So, like I said, everything went great. It was tons of fun. Um, but one thing or two things that happened on the way home. Um, so I flew, uh, what was that? Delta Airlines on the way down and JetBlue on the way back. And um, JetBlue, I, I say this, this isn't particularly entertaining, but I say this as a public service announcement. JetBlue sells these super, super discounted tickets, but the deal is, is you can't check, I'm sorry, you can't, you can't check a bag and you cannot put a bag in the overhead compartment. If you do, they will charge you $65 and then take your bag and then check it. So... Yeah, um, but of course I booked my ticket through Expedia. Expedia, guess does did not get the heads up that that's what this cheap ticket is about. So anyway, that was a super bummer. So just look, just don't fly JetBlue. JetBlue sucks. They're a discount airline. Just don't patronize them. I hate being nickeled and dimed. Just tell me what the price of the ticket is. I'll pay it. It's fine. All right, that's number one. Number two is. So I, I'm getting on, so, okay, let's back up. So I was visiting uh, college friends after I dropped Alexis Perplexus off at the train station to go, he was gonna take that to go home. I swung by a college friend's place. I'm hanging out with him and we're, you know, he, they, he was like, oh, how long can you stay? And I was like, oh, this. And he was like, and then we started doing the math about, you know, when does the plane leave and all this stuff. And they were like, oh, you should, you know, you probably could leave around 2, 2.45, 2.30, 2.45. And I was like, mm, no, I'm going to leave it too because LAX is a bit of a shit show. So, I, and I have to return the car and I have to fill it up with gas. I'm going to leave it too. Thank God, right? Thank God, because I've done this bullshit enough to know, yeah, just give yourself a little extra time. I mean, I, I I had already been there two hours, so I mean, you know, I they they were probably sick of me at that point anyway. But so I um I I I get I leave it to I get to the car uh, return place. The woman who is uh, driving the shuttle between the car return place and LAX. She's like, what terminal are you going to? And I told her my terminal, it's her terminal five. And um, long story short, uh, she dropped everybody off and then just skipped my terminal, skipped the whole second half. There's eight terminals. She skipped all the second half of all terminals, just didn't even know I was there, just kept on going. And I'm watching, I'm watching this on Google Maps because you can follow, because they have on Google Maps, all the terminals mapped out. And I didn't say anything because I was just like, is she coming back? Is there like a weird loop to this? I don't know. And then I got out and I was I was pissed, but I put a smile on it because I had time because I'm a genius and I gave myself enough time in case bullshit like this. I'm swearing a lot in this podcast. I don't know why. But in case some, some of this, some of this came up again. Uh, so... Um, I, I said, it's all right, it's all right. I still got plenty of time. I go in, we, we do it, but it's just like, oh, and then, and then the other thing is she said, she said at the very beginning, well, I have to stop at every single terminal anyway. 
So I didn't sweat it. I didn't, I, I really thought there was some weird second loop she was gonna do that was gonna drop me at my terminal. I did everything right. She did everything wrong. Uh. So, I don't know what to file this under, but I'm always curious when, like, somebody has a name or something, or, 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 or there's something so associated with a thing, like the Titanic, right? Like, no one's ever gonna name another ship the Titanic after what happened. Oh, except unless you're Colin Jost and, uh, oh, what's his name, Pete Davidson, they bought a ferry uh, and they're gonna turn it into a party boat, but they named it the Titanic too, as just a funny joke. But, um, so I was thinking about high school uh, and there we had a, 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 a friend of ours named uh, 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 Lisa Sp Sp Spand Spandler. Yeah, Spandler was her last name. So her mom's Japanese, her dad is German. Her dad's name is Adolf. Adolf Spandler. Now, if his dad, if his, if her dad is the same age as my dad, that means he was born in 1939 when Hitler is coming to power. And I don't know. I don't know what the Germans thought of Hitler at that time. Uh, maybe they thought he was a real cool dude. Uh, but boy. I don't know, man. After I'd say, I'd say about well, you know when the kid is six years old, I'd I'd, I'd be looking into a name change. Yeah, and and then when you um, immigrate to America, and and like now's your chance. Now's your chance to like change that name, and you don't. I mean, who? I mean, isn't isn't Adolf tainted enough that you just maybe just know? Just don't, just get rid of that. I mean, I'm surprised people still name their kids Jesus and Elvis. I just figure those names are used up too. Okay, so I, I had to do Mario Kart love song just because I ran out of the music and it's a great song, so we'll just listen to that one more time. Oh, also, uh, two final quick things. Um, one is uh, there were people on the car return shuttle that had uh, five very large suitcases all wrapped in shrink wrap. Why? I don't know. I mean, it, they were not... They look brand new suitcases. I, I, and then what happens if they do a random search on your luggage? They're just gonna have to cut that off. What I don't know. If anybody knows why they shrink wrap luggage sometimes, please let me know, because it didn't make a lick of sense to me. Uh, the, the other thing, the other final thing has nothing to do with Los Angeles, but um, for our anniversary, Miriam and I uh, went to Nobu, the very fancy, very expensive Nobu. Uh, this one happens to be in um, Menlo Park, California, and it's lovely. Um, I highly recommend it, um, and, but you know, it was a treat, right? Like we do not eat out like this very often. It is, like I said, kind of expensive. The table behind us were a family of five and when they walked in, everybody knew them. 
right? It was like cheers, you know? Everybody was like, hey, welcome back, you know? So they are here enough to be regulars, right? Can you imagine being regulars at Nobu? What, what kind of crazy money does this guy have to have where this is just Sunday night? Well, it's Sunday night. Let's go out to Nobu at kids. And then, you know, the, the takeaway, like that was my takeaway was like, Jesus Christ, these, these guys got a ass load of money that they are regulars here. Miriam's takeaway is that they had uh, three kids, two of them under the age of 12, and they were willing to eat here, right? Like our kid is the pickiest kid, pickiest eater ever. There's nothing on that menu. Like it's fancy, weird, uh, uh, Asian fusion cuisine, like nothing. I mean, if it's not a chicken finger or a grilled cheese sandwich, our kid ain't eating it. So the fact, so Miriam's takeaway was like, God damn, they got two little kids that's willing to eat, you know, grilled radicchio or whatever. Uh, yeah, I, and in hindsight, that is also bonkers. Anyway, so um, yeah, gosh, I, I, I would, I would love to have that kind of crazy money. I mean, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't blow it all on Nobu every week, but it's kind of, you know, God, it, it would be nice to have that kind of financial security for sure. Okay, well, from me, happy birthday to me. I gotta go back to work on Monday. Boo! But from the music of Sam Hart and Bright Brown, let's do this one more time. Till then!